thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. You're very welcome to our Wednesday night refuel service. I'm just going to do something a little different tonight. Ryan has been asking if I would take a service. And, you know, it's funny, on one of our walks a couple of weeks ago, uh, God just started stirring some things in me as he and I were talking together. And this is uh, what came out and um, what he's put together for the teaching tonight. And, you know, the title of the message tonight is The Case of the Counterfeit Embrace, which might sound a bit dramatic, but as Ryan would say, I am a bit dramatic, so... (laughs) I guess it suits. Um, You know, I have always had a love for mysteries. Ever since I was a kid, I have read mysteries. I started in primary school with Nancy Drew, and I read every Nancy Drew book that ever existed. And then I moved on as a teen, and I read Mary Higgins Clark and Agatha Christie, and I just was always mesmerized by this genre of mysteries. And I think, you know, as I meditated on what is so exciting about a mystery, um, there's something about the uncovering of truth. There's something about, you know, when there's the untangling of webs of deceit, when there's clues that are followed to find a solution. Um, You know, and when there's a criminal that's, you know, found out and held responsible, it's just a, a thrilling, exciting thing. So, you know, how does this fit into the Word of God? Surprisingly enough, there's a Greek word, which is mysterion, that means mystery, or it can mean hidden thing or secret. And this word is used 27 times in the New Testament, so it is a very frequently used word. And we're going to start out by looking at how Jesus himself used this word. So he, um, in all three of the synoptic gospels, is uh, accounted to have spoken this word. I am going to read it for you from Luke chapter 8. So if you want to follow along with me, I'm in Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 9 and 10 here out of Passion Translation. Now, just to tell you what's going on here, Jesus has just given the parable of the sower, uh, which is, as we know, a foundational, really important parable. And it says, later his disciples came to Jesus and asked him privately what deeper meaning was found in this parable. He said, you have been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret hidden mysteries of God's kingdom realm. But to those who don't have a listening heart, my words are merely stories. So here Jesus is you know, giving this encouragement to his disciples who have come to him and said, we want more. You know, we want to understand what you're talking about here. We know this isn't just gardening. And so Jesus starts unfolding to them this parable of the sower. And, you know, he's basically setting the stage and unveiling the fact that there's a mystery to be found and covered and understood, that revelation awaits those whose hearts are ready to receive. And the disciples learn that the seed he's talking about is the word of God, and that that word can be planted into people's hearts. This is a very new concept. Um, You know, John had the revelation that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So what Jesus is actually sharing here is this coming attraction of what's happening in the new covenant that Jesus himself the word is coming to dwell in people's hearts so this is the beginning of the unfolding of this great mystery you know and then we follow on with Paul here now Paul in his letters he's the one who mainly uses this word Uh, he goes really into depth if we uh, pick up with him over in Colossians chapter 1 We're going to cover a lot of scripture tonight, so just be prepared to do a lot of flipping through. (laughs) But here in Colossians chapter 1, I am going to start in verse 26. It says, There is a divine mystery 
a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest, a hope of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity, with the power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Christ Jesus. I wish you could know how much I've struggled for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other friends I've yet to meet. I am contending for you that your hearts will be wrapped in the comfort of heaven and woven together into love's fabric. This is what I'm gonna call the embrace. This will give you access to all the riches of God as you experience the revelation of God's great mystery, Christ. For our spiritual wealth is in him. Like hidden treasure waiting to be discovered, heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. So I think that's such a beautiful way that Paul spoke this here and that he is starting to unfold and unveil this mystery, this truth to the church. Uh, it started with Jesus and now Paul's continuing the same message but he has you know, been given even greater revelation to share with the people because now they're part of the new covenant. So what he's describing here is what I describe as the great embrace. It is the union, the unifying of Christ and his church. It's us being in Christ and him being in us. Okay, so we are gonna continue on here. And there's a further description in Philippians that I want to cover um, that Paul's describing this same mystery. And this is gonna be in Philippians chapter three. And verse 10, I'm going to start in. See, the mystery, the embrace, is given as, it's given as a fulfillment for that longing that God put in all of us. Inside of every one of us, there's a void, there's a longing, there's a God-sized hole, if you will, that needs to be filled. And the embrace is meant to fill that hole. So, Starting in verse 10, he says, and I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully, to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings, and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to him. See here in the Passion Translation, he starts referring to this being gripped, you know, this being embraced. If you're not yet in the embrace, if you don't know that embrace, don't give up because he's gonna reveal it to you, you keep going. But up here in verse 12, this is where I don't actually like the Passion Translation as much because I don't think the wording is as strong, but I want to share it uh, to you from some other translations. The New King James says that I might lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me, has also gripped or held or embraced me. Um, the New Living says, I press on to, the, to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. The King James uses the word apprehended and the ESV uses the word belong to. 
But here I found this translation, the ISV, and it says, I keep pursuing it, hoping or expecting to embrace it just as I have been embraced by the Messiah. And to me, that one was just perfection. Um, You know, he is describing the culmination of everything we're made for, of how we connect and commune with Jesus, how we get in union with him as one. And that is the great mystery. That is what we are made to press into and made to get fulfilled from. Um, The other side of that, in every good mystery, there is a crime. (laughs) And unfortunately, there's a criminal who has perpetuated a crime of counterfeit. So, you know, there's a counterfeit version of the embrace that is made to deceive God's people. And, you know, it's made to get them to accept a fake embrace. And I call this fake embrace a vice. Um, And if they are enticed by the vice, (laughs) then they miss out on the embrace. Uh, So, you know, a vice, by definition, would be a defect, an error, a sin, wickedness, or depravity. But it can also mean something that is really uh, a tight grip. So as you see, it can be very similar to an embrace. And that is what the devil is a master at. You know, he is the master of deception. He takes something that is so close to the truth and he twists it. And, you know, so this vice grip that he wants to lure you in with is very similar to an embrace. And they're both, both of these things are made to, to bring fulfillment to the void in us. It's just one does it, it truly brings you fulfillment and one false, like brings you a false fulfillment. It'll bring you a counterfeit, okay? So it's actually interesting. Paul uses that same word mystery um, to de- to describe this other side of the mystery, this counterfeit mystery. Um, So we're gonna read that in 2 Thessalonians chapter two. And in verse seven, uh, I'm just gonna read the first part of this verse. It says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already active. Okay, so that mystery of lawlessness Um, of wickedness, it could also be called, is already active upon the earth. Now, he goes on to describe some of the things that are coming, but here in verse nine, he says, the presence of the outlaw is apparent by the activity of Satan, who uses all kinds of counterfeit, miracles, signs, and spurious wonders, and every form of evil deception in order to deceive those who are perishing because they rejected the love of the truth that would lead them to being saved. So that is the very sad reality of what the devil is out to do. You know, he is out to produce a counterfeit of God's best plan, a counterfeit of the truth, and lure people over to it and get them off track so that they never get saved. You know, but this isn't only for the people who who aren't saved. We have to be aware that even as the people who belong to God, that Satan doesn't stop trying to lure us over to the counterfeit. He's still trying to get us off the path to keep us out of the embrace where we're gonna find our fullness of our destiny and get us over off track into this counterfeit vice. Okay, so uh, he is, you know, the father of lies. He comes to still kill and destroy. And we are going to look at a few more verses back in Colossians, this time in chapter three. And same thing, Paul is describing, he's going back and forth here. He's describing the new life in Christ, this mystery of the embrace unfolding. And then he's going over and he's describing what the antithesis of that is. What's the opposite? What, what do you need to look out for? And he's talking to believers here. You know, He's talking to believers, these are things you need to watch out for. These are red flags and these are not part of the embrace. So here in chapter three of Colossians, starting in verse five, he instructs by the Holy Ghost, live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live as one who died to diseases and desires for forbidden things. That forbidden things can be, um, 
It implies magic, it says, which we're going to get into that. Uh, including the desire for wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. When you live in these vices, you ignite the anger of God against these acts of disobedience. That's how you once behaved, characterized by your evil deeds. But now it's time to eliminate them from your lives once and for all. Anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech and lying. Lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade and disguise. And that's really what it is. You know, Satan is trying to lure you back into that old nature, that carnal way of doing things. And it's just a masquerade. It's just a disguise. It's a trick. And, and we don't need to be fooled by it. Um, because within the security and the comfort and the perfection of the embrace of our unity in Christ, you know, none of these things can exist and these things will start to fade away. And as we get closer in that embrace, as we get closer to Jesus, you know, it's not even that we have to try so hard to lay aside these things. It's, it's not that um, we have to work or strive you know, that's the beauty of the embrace, is that, is that Jesus does it for us. He carries the burden for us. Um, so really what I want to get into tonight are some examples of counterfeits or some examples of vices. Because what this is, is everything in the realm of God's embrace, of what we're made for, there is a... Uh, aspect that Satan tries to mimic. And we're going to find out that, you know, pretty much every good thing that God has for you, Satan has a counterfeit. And if you're finding yourself drawn into some of these counterfeits, there's a reason for it. There's something lacking in your embrace life. There's something that's not getting fulfilled like it should be. And it's okay. God can get you back into it. But you're going to have to recognize it and you're going to have to allow him to, to work in you and, and help you with it. So I've just, this is by no means an exhaustive list. Actually, this is a very small portion, <laughs> um, but it's, it's just kind of some of the things that he gave me to focus on to, to get us started in the right direction. And what I would say is, as we're going through this list, if, if you recognize any of these um, things as temptations, or you recognize them as habits, or you recognize them as something even that you're just drawn to thinking about, you know, that this gives you some targets in your prayer life. This gives you some targets to say, okay, God, you know, I see where, uh, you know, I'm tempted in this area, and it's obviously a counterfeit. It's not what's good for me. It's not what's drawing me into a tighter embrace with you. So help me to get over into the side that, that's healthy, that's good for me, that's going to fulfill that part of me that I'm trying to fill in the wrong way. Um, and there's so many of them. Like I said, God will start pointing them out to you. But first off, I just want to mention um, something really I don't know, kind of obvious, and I wouldn't think that many people in the church have a problem with it, but witchcraft or sorcery. Now, this could uh, come through fortune tellers, Ouija boards, tarot cards, horoscopes, all that kind of stuff. Basically, these are substitutions for the supernatural of God, but we know that there is power available from other sources, and it's not from God, and that's just the reality of it. And sometimes we don't like to think very much because it's not a very nice thought to think that there's other powers, other voices, other spirits at work out there, but there are, and we've got to be aware of it. Um, you know, our embrace is made to manifest supernaturally. It's we are made to be embraced with Jesus where there is a supernatural flow in our life, where we are seeing the supernatural. We are made for that. So when that's lacking in our life, then there are times when people get sucked into looking for the supernatural in the wrong way. This can even be uh, through new age kind of stuff, seeing auras and, I don't know, doing mindfulness or meditations that you know, get you open to other spirits. Um, this can be more subtle such as uh, counterfeit visions or inviting familiar spirits to speak to you. You know, it's interesting that familiar spirits, you know, they're all over the earth. <laughs> you know, they're spirits from the devil, demonic powers that are all over the earth, and they're full of information. They know a lot of stuff. 
And they will even, if you start seeking out information, you start seeking out power and you're not seeking it out by the Holy Ghost, then you know, you can hear these voices where people can tell you, oh, you used to live on this street or, oh, this is your granny's name or, you know, they know this information, but it's not by the Spirit of God and there's nothing from that information that would bring anything godly in your life. There's, it doesn't bring deliverance, it doesn't bring healing, it doesn't bring anything uh, productive to the kingdom of God in your life. So we have to be aware. We have to know that, you know, there are spiritual powers out there that are enticing us and wanting us. That's what the devil wants us to get interested in those counterfeit powers and to say, oh, that's interesting. You know, there, there's power in that. I, you know, I saw a manifestation or, you know, and, and there's a truth to it, but it's not the fulfillment. It's not what's going to fill that void in you. You know, in fact, it's going to bring destruction into your life. Um, so we, you know, that's just, we need to watch out for that. I wanted to read a verse for that from Second Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm in verse 13. So Paul here is talking about these false apostles. And he says in verse 13, for they are not true apostles, but deceitful ministers who masquerade as special apostles. These are all the kinds of words we keep hearing <laughs> about this false mystery here. Uh, that they're uh, masquerade as special apostles of the anointed one. That doesn't surprise us, for even Satan transforms himself to appear as an angel of light. So it's no wonder his servants also go about pretending to be ministers of righteousness. But in the end, they will be exposed and get exactly what they deserve. So they will be exposed, but in the meantime, we need to keep our eyes open. We need to be discerning. We need to be pressed in and embraced to the Spirit of God so that we can tell the difference and we can keep other people safe from them. You know, we need to speak up and, and let people know when they're dabbling in things of darkness. Okay, so the next uh, counterfeit here I'm going to talk about is lust or sexual sin. This can be fornication, adultery, pornography, or it can be as subtle as perverse thoughts or flirtation. You know, the thing is that we as humans crave intimacy, and we need to get it from the right place. Um, there's a saying called looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> I think it's a song. <laughs> I won't sing it for you. But, uh, you know, it's so easy to fall into some of these traps, some of these lures, uh, some of these temptations that are counterfeits for intimacy. We are made for intimacy with our God, first and foremost, before anyone else. Now, he has given us beautiful gifts, such as marriage, such as having children and families, uh, such as having friendships within the body of Christ that are safe, wonderful friendships and relationships, and they're a great source of intimacy, but they are not our main source of intimacy. We can have all those things and not have intimacy with God and still have a void. You know, you, you can pray for that perfect spouse, you can pray for that baby to be born, and you can get so fulfilled and feel like it's so wonderful, but there's still gonna be something missing if you don't have intimacy with God. This is something I found out the hard way, just, you know, for myself going into marriage and not being in a great place when I went into marriage, I was backslidden. Um, you know, I really didn't, I didn't realize I was doing it, but I really looked to Ryan to be fulfillment in my life. Like, I really tried to get what I needed from my relationship with him and it was never enough and I was frustrated by it I had unrealistic expectations because of it and you know when God when I finally went to God and just you know started asking him what is wrong here what do I do you know and I started seeking out the word of God and he started revealing these mysteries to me of getting close to him, of having intimacy and relationship with him that would supersede my relationship with Ryan, it gave me so much freedom. You know, I just had the freedom to pray for Ryan, to love Ryan, to let him be, and that I wasn't reliant on him 
to be my source of fulfillment. You know, I wasn't relying on him. I had a source of fulfillment and I started getting so fulfilled in the Lord, you know, that not that I didn't need Ryan, <laughs> but that I, you know, he, he fulfilled me in a way that Ryan never could or that I could never fulfill him. And it's the same for all of us. Like that's got to be the central core of everything in our lives. And it'll keep us out, it'll keep us safe. You know, it'll keep us in that embrace where we're not tempted into these counterfeits, where we're not tempted into, um, you know, some of the sexual sins, uh, you know, where Satan's tried to convince us that these attractions or these intimacies that are outside the bounds of what God said are gonna be fulfilling to us, you know, because there's no such thing as like, um, a small flirtation or an innocent flirtation, I guess they'd say. There's no such thing as, you know, just a mild little sexual thought that's no big deal. The thing is, is that if you allow that stuff to continue, it does lead down to, to go further than thoughts. It leads you into actions of it eventually. Um, and so if we will stay satisfied in the embrace and our relationships and our intimacy, then we can stay out of that trap. I just want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm in verse 15. Okay. So don't you know that your bodies belong to Christ as his body parts? Should one presume to take the members of Christ's body and make them into members of a harlot? Absolutely not. Aren't you aware of the fact that when anyone sleeps with a prostitute, he becomes a part of her and she becomes a part of him? For it has been declared the two become a single body. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. This is why you must keep running away from sexual immorality for every other sin a person commits is external to the body, but immorality involves sin against your own body. So it's obviously something that you know, we need to take very seriously and like uh, Paul is explaining here, the one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. That is much more satisfying, I promise you. <laughs> Okay, so the third thing I have here, the third counterfeit is drugs and alcohol. Things that alter our mind, remove inhibitions, they numb, they relax, they stimulate. Uh, basically, all of these things keep you from the new wine of the Holy Ghost. And it's so much better. If you've never had a lot of the new wine of the Holy Ghost, you are missing out. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, you know, Ephesians 5.18 says, and do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, or that is rebellion, but be filled with the Spirit. That's what the ESV says. Um, the Passion says, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, or inebriated in the Spirit's fullness. That's the good kind of inebriation. Um, and that be filled is a tense that's continual. So really it's be being filled, be continually filled. Don't stop being filled with the Spirit. Um, you know, I know for me, being filled with the Holy Ghost was, man, it was just a breakthrough in my life. It changed so much. <laughs> I had been... A, you know, a Baptist most of my life, and I got saved as a kid, and I prayed, and I read my Bible, and I knew a lot about the things of God, but I was so lacking um, because I didn't have the Holy Ghost, and I did go through a time of being backslidden, and, and I experienced what it was like to, you know, fill that void in my life with some things that weren't healthy with, you know, specifically with drink and, and, all it brought to my life was destruction. You know, it didn't bring any good fruit in my life at all, ever. <laughs> um, it got me into a lot of trouble, to, to be frank with you. Um, the, the embrace lifestyle, though, it offers the fullness of the, of the Spirit. It's the fullness of joy and peace and all those other fruits of the Spirit. And 
You know, I just remember when I first got filled with the Holy Ghost, I just have these times of refreshment where I'd start praying in the Holy Ghost and I was so excited to be praying in the Holy Ghost because I'd never done it before and I was learning more words in the language and, you know, it was just starting to flow more naturally and I'd just get this joy bubbling up from the inside and laughter flowing out and just all these things I'd never experienced and, you know, they are available That is the good stuff that we're made for. We are made to to be full, continually full. There is a river of life on the inside of us that wells up from the inside, that bubbles up from the inside, and we need to release it. We need to be constantly releasing it, letting it fill and overflow and fill and overflow. People around us need it, and it is so much more contagious than drunkenness, you know, than anything drunkenness can bring you. So whatever kind of influence... If you enjoy being an un- under some sort of influence, whether it's drugs or alcohol, you know, let me just challenge you as a believer with this. Um, if you are under the influence of drugs or alcohol, you are not able to at the same time be under the influence of the Holy Ghost, which means that, say you come home from work, oh, I'm just gonna have a drink and relax. No big deal. I've been at work all day, done my job, I've took, taken care of my family, now it's my turn to relax. Well, guess what? While you're relaxing under the influence of that, the Holy Spirit can't speak to you. <laughs> he cannot instruct you, and you're, you're missing out on what God's doing that evening. You know, you're missing out on what God's doing that weekend. Maybe Holy Spirit wants you to go pray for somebody. Maybe Holy Spirit has, you know, somebody out on the street that needs a word of knowledge. You're missing out on it because you're under the influence of a different spirit. You know, and and that's something we need to stay out of. That's something we need to put aside, lay aside, and know that it is no substitute for the Holy Ghost. Let's take the best that God gave us and leave aside the rest. Okay, so number four. (laughs) Uh, Food addiction, overeating, overeating, or gluttony. So this is a counterfeit for the word, for Jesus, for the bread of life. Uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We cannot let ourselves be fooled with the temporary satisfaction brought by food. Um, overindulging in the natural and food brings health problems, but the good news is there's no overindulging in spiritual food. So, <laughs> so this is an area that I think a lot of people have a hard time with. It's very easy to find comfort from eating. Um, I know this personally, you know. uh, I know it's easy to get into bad habits with eating. It's easy to uh, feed your flesh and, you know, let that be something in the moment that comforts you or that brings you satisfaction. But the thing is, is that it's, you know, it's not a deep, true satisfaction that's going to stick with you. Um, where the word of God is. And if you will let your hunger be a spiritual hunger, if you, if you will allow yourself to fill that spiritual hunger, and sometimes you need to let yourself go into a physical hunger to become aware of your spiritual hunger. Uh, I think fasting is more about that. It's not about impressing God with, you know, you not eating. <laughs> it's getting yourself focused on him and understanding how much you need him and understanding how dependent and reliant how he is your source of nourishment. Um, You know, there are uh, parallels there between physical food and spiritual food. It's just like in the physical, you, you wouldn't be well nourished if you had a diet of marshmallows and whipped cream. You know, if you ate marshmallows and whipped cream every meal every day, you wouldn't get the nutrients you need in your body. Your body wouldn't be healthy. It wouldn't operate properly. And it's the same with our spiritual food. We need to eat a balanced diet. We need to uh, take in, you know, all the parts of the Word of God, (laughs) not just the whipped cream and the marshmallows, not just Jesus loves me and everything's okay, you know. Not just the easy parts that tell me how great I am or, you know, but that there's challenging parts of the word. There's parts of the word that are going to be meatier, that are, you know, you're going to need to grow into. They're going to take time. But this is what we're made for. We're made to be nourished by the word of God. We're not, you know, in eternity, we're not going to need food to survive. 
You know, that's, that's a nourishment of our physical body that, yes, we have to nourish our bodies here on this earth, but it is not our source, and it's not what we're, you know, dependent on to live. We're dependent on the Word of God. That's what we rely on. That's what we focus on. And if we will get our satisfaction from that, I guarantee your problems with overeating or overindulging in any way with food will start fading away. So, number five I have here is love of money and possessions. It's a very dangerous trap. It's all over the word of God about how dangerous it is. <laughs> um, in the embrace, the thing is, when we're in the embrace, we get absolute security. We don't need to prove that we're successful by our bank account or possessions. We get an eternal perspective and we focus on storing up treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. Um, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things are added. We don't have to worry about them, strive for them, look for them, seek them. They're the gift to God, the goodness of God in our life and, and we will have what we need but we cannot be focused on money and possessions and I think so often when people are drawn to strive for those things, to really care about those things and put a lot of focus on those things, it, you know, there is something missing on the inside where they're, you know, people are trying to prove, look, I'm successful, I have this, or, you know, I use this brand, or whatever it is that shows that, you know, based upon what you own, or based upon the amount of money you have, you've got something going on. <laughs> and, and that's not how it's measured in the kingdom. You know, that's the opposite of how it's measured in the kingdom. God, you know, God will fulfill you uh, in eternal ways. He'll put your mind on the things that are above and not the things that are here on the earth. He'll put your mind on the things that are eternal, that are gonna last, the people that you're gonna be able to take with you to those heavenly realms that are gonna live in eternity because that's what you focused on on this earth. And if you will allow yourself to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and keep your focus fully on what matters to him, what's pleasing to him. You know, it's funny, uh, Paul talked a few times about ambition that's not healthy in the word of God, but when he talked about ambition in a healthy way, it was always about um, living a life that pleased God. My ambition is to live a life that pleases God. If that's your ambition in life, if that's what you're working for and striving for and driven towards, then you're not gonna have to worry about getting off track with money and possessions. It is certainly one of those things that the devil lures us with. It's glittery, it's pretty, it looks nice, you know, but the more time and focus you put on that, the more time and focus it needs. The more you buy, the more time you have to spend taking care of it. So <laughs> that's just a trap and we're gonna have to you know, be careful and, and be focused on, on what God wants us to focus on. Uh, number six here is power and position. So this is something that is satisfying the need to feel important and if you are striving for power and position in your life, if you find yourself um, driven towards these things could be from a lack of your embraced identity. Uh, identity in Christ takes the focus off ourselves and puts it onto him, and he focuses us on serving others. Um, seeking power and position or fame for our name shows that we aren't secure in our position in Christ, seated in heavenly places. Uh, it shows that we have you know, a need for control which means that we're not really secure in being possessed by him, that being his possession, his, you know, peculiar ones. <laughs> if you want to be his peculiar people, you're going to have to give up the control of being in control. Um, you're going to have to allow yourself to be controlled by the Holy Ghost. And, you know, I think for a lot of the world, that is a very vulnerable place to be. It's a thing that's scary. It's a thing that's, um, that's just not probably smart by the world standards to put yourself in that vulnerable of a position. But it's different in the kingdom. When you're living in the embraced culture, you are protected. <laughs> you know, you're not striving for your own power because you know the power that's on the inside of you is greater than the power that's in the world. There's nothing to be afraid of. You know, so often the seeking after of power is 
based on fear. You know, there's a fear of being out of control. There's a fear of not being able to control what's going on around you. So people want to have the most powerful positions to be able to control things. Um, and that's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. Jesus was very clear about it. Uh, so we need to make sure that we are not falling for that counterfeit, that we are sticking with the position of being in Christ. And look, if, if you're tempted by power and position, spend more time in the word of God seeking out who you are in Christ. Go to those, you know, there's so many in Christ scriptures and constantly letting those wash over you and familiarizing yourself with them. Um, that is what's gonna start filling that void on the inside that's making you seek for power and position. Number seven is probably a big one in our uh, climate of the world today. Uh, living vicariously through social media, entertainment, or even through our children. So this has to do with projecting an image or imagining a full, perfect, exciting life but not actually living it. Uh, Daniel 11.32 says, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That's what we're made for. That's what the embrace life is about. Um, we're made for exciting stories and adventure. Just like the ministry that Ryan talks about being a part of, if you don't go, you don't get the story. You know, you have to have a willingness to get off your couch <laughs> and to go do something for God. Um, we shouldn't settle for the counterfeit of watching someone else do exciting things on television. <laughs> There's no such thing as boring in the kingdom. There are times of preparation, there's hard work, but there are never opportunities for laziness or inactivity. So that's something that, you know, especially in this day and age, I know on social media, people are spending so much time uh, trying to create this image or this facade of how perfect their life is, of, you know, every aspect of their life being Insta-ready or you know, whatever the uh, new thing is. And it's sad because it, they're putting so much time and energy into something that's not even real. You know, it's, it's putting so much time and energy into creating um, an image for yourself and it's empty. You know, it's, it's just a facade and there's, there's nothing to back it up. There's nothing fulfilling in it. And all it does is it causes you to keep striving and how now you're gonna have to, you know, get better than this person and now you're gonna have to top this person on this social media account and, you know, it's never gonna be good enough. <laughs> you need to just stop, stop striving. You know, God has given you an image. God has given you, like it said in Daniel, great exploits to carry out. There are the most exciting things you'll ever do in the kingdom of God. Um, things that you can't even imagine have been prepared for you. That's how exciting it is. Things that, that you would never be able to imagine because they're so big, they're so wild, they're so risky. You would never think to, to do them. And those are the things that God has set up for you if you will trust him, if you'll follow him, if you'll get into that embrace and let him prepare you and let him show you and... Uh, you know, show you those hard work times that are for preparing, but they're getting you ready to be launched out into a destiny that will blow your mind, you know? And that is what we're made for. Not for sitting on the couch and watching somebody else live it, you know? Not even as Christians, sometimes we get so caught up in reading people's biographies, and it is inspiring. I love hearing testimonies. I love hearing these things, but we've got to follow it up with action. You know, we are faith is doing, you know? Our faith cannot just sit still and watch the world go around us and while we're, I think Ryan was just talking about this, while your feet are kicked up and you're just waiting on God. He's waiting on you, you know? He wants you to get up and do something. So don't let inactivity, don't let um, imaginations and image building be something that gets you off track for the kingdom. Okay, finally, this is the last one I'm gonna cover tonight. Oh, wow, I went way more than I thought. Okay, um, this is intellectualism and philosophy. So basically, this will get you puffed up with knowledge, but lacking in wisdom and understanding. 
So wisdom is the correct application and knowledge, and understanding has to do with discernment or seeing the spiritual truth despite the facts, okay? So if you have a lot of knowledge, uh, you can, it makes you feel really good about yourself, you know? It (laughs) makes you feel um, powerful. They say knowledge is power in the world, right? Uh, But... Unfortunately, what it does is it, is it puffs people up and it exalts science or man's knowledge over God's truth. Um, this is just such a, a dangerous trap of the enemy. Unfortunately, I have seen this in my own family, even you know, get a hold of a family member and you know, somebody who was going in the direction of the kingdom, um, but you know, their intelligence was constantly complimented and focused on, and and that's where they started getting their confidence. And so this person, as they went to university, they were enamored by all the professors and how intelligent they were. And they heard all these different philosophies and all these things that made a lot of sense to the mind. And unfortunately, um, you know, it, it robbed this person of going forward in the things of God and it got them very firmly over into the vice of the enemy um, to where this person doesn't even believe in God anymore. Um, and that's, that's the trap, you know, that's what Satan has planned. That's what he wants is to believe that our own intellect, to believe that how man can think and what man can create and what man can come up with is uh, more important, uh, makes more sense than the kingdom realm. And it's very easy to, to fall into that trap. Um, I'm just going to read from Second Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3 says, For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. So I think that is the answer to most of the problems we covered tonight, but especially to this, this problem of intellect and, and getting our thoughts in order and just refusing to allow the enemy to push our thoughts into this counterfeit direction of um, you know, the exaltation of philosophy or thinking or reasoning you know, of man's way of doing things. And, and we have the ability to refuse that and it's the same in every single one of these counterfeits. You know, we have the ability to choose. God has given us free will to choose. You choose his kingdom way, you choose the way of the embrace, or you choose the counterfeit. You choose the enemy's uh, cheap substitute for the real thing. And the thing is, is that you're going to miss out on the real thing anytime you're caught up in the substitute. So I think it's a real good opportunity for us to, to just take some time and meditate. Just ask the Lord, get before him, get on your knees before him and, and you know, open your heart to him and, and just allow him to start showing you and dealing with things that are not part of the kingdom culture, that are not part of you know, growing in unity with Christ and being in the embrace, um, but that he exposes counterfeits in your life and that he'll start exposing and revealing to you the things that are keeping you from him, keeping you from that intimacy, keeping you from growing closer to him. And really it's keeping you from stepping out into the destiny that God has planned for you because God needs you. God needs for you to be in line with his plan so that he can work through you. And, 
you know, it's important stuff. The day and age we live in, there's no time for playing games or messing around. Like, we need to be done with that. So I just encourage you, you know, wake up church and evaluate, do some evaluation on your life. Let God get in there with you, get in the battle with you, and he will start, start tearing down those strongholds. He'll start revealing those uh, temptations towards the counterfeits. And, you know, there won't, there won't be any chance that the devil's gonna have victory. There won't be any chance that you're gonna be deceived if you're pressing into the, to the embrace, if you're pressing into that mystery that, that Paul was constantly talking about to be in union with Christ. So that's where we're gonna end tonight, and I just want to pray for you before we close. Father God, we thank you and praise you for this time together. Thank you for your word going forth tonight. Thank you that you, you are king of our lives that we bow before you, we honor you, we are in awe of you, and that we understand our positioning. We understand our positioning of, of humility, of submission before you, Father God. That we honor you. We honor you as our creator. We honor you as our mighty king. We honor you as our God, our Father. And we thank you that we have the opportunity to come to you as your children Thank you, Lord, that you are uncovering, you are unveiling, you are uh, showing us any areas of our life where we are, are caught up in a trap uh, that is a counterfeit, that is not the real thing, that is a substitute for what you have, Lord. We don't want any substitutes. We want the real thing. We want what you have, Lord. So that's our heart's cry tonight is that that we will, in every part of us, will be going towards the fulfillment in a healthy way, in a good way, in a, in a right way, Lord, the only way that can truly fulfill us. We want your way. We want your way and no other way, Lord. So we thank you and praise you for it. We, we delight in you. We love you. I thank you that everyone uh, throughout the rest of the week is, is traveling in safety, um, thank you that no evil befalls us, no plague comes near our dwelling. We are the protected of God. You charge your angels to watch over us and protect us, Lord. Thank you no matter where we're going, what we're doing. We belong to you, and we, we remember that we belong to you all day and everything we do, Lord. Help us to be beacons of light, beacons that draw people to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.